Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the Kiro Film Society, and I am Pastor Neil Wemus. Uh, today we have uh, kind of a Disney animated theme. Um, and so to kind of get started, we're going to go back a little bit in history here. I'm just going to go jump right into this. Uh, back in 2006... January 2006. Actually, I'm going to go back even farther than that. Um, I believe it was 1994 when the movie uh, Toy Story was released in theaters. It was a... It was realistically a groundbreaking film. It was the first really major um, CGI film there had been. I mean, yes, there were some other ones that happened before it, but this was the one that really... Uh, came out in front of the world, for all the world to see. And the studio, of course, that produced that movie was uh, Pixar Animation. Well, uh, Pixar proceeded to make several other movies um, after they made... Um, after they made that first Toy Story, they ended up going on and they made the movie Ratatouille. And, and then after that... They decided there was there they began to work with Disney to make Toy Story two. Now the problem became was uh, Toy Story two um, was originally going to be a straight to DVD DVD movie, and Monsters Inc. I believe was the one that was supposed to come out or something of that nature, and Disney altered the contract, much to the displeasure of Pixar. And this began a long battle and a long fight between, uh, at the time, Disney um, CEO Michael Eisner and the head of the Disney studio, um, which by and large was John Lasseter. Well, as time passed, uh, the... the um, you know, eventually, so they kind of began, it began to be that Pixar began shopping around to look to build their own studio, to work on their own, completely 100% separated from Pixar. And, and that, that was how it was, they were moving towards that until 2006. In 2006, January of 2006, to be specific, um, they were... They came down with a deal. Uh, Disney bought out Pixar for good. And Pixar, in the agreement, Pixar was allowed, given the privileges, especially uh, uh, John Lasseter, was given authority over Disney animation. And that was the big deal. And this ended up being a very big deal for animation in general. Um, for Disney animation, I should say. Because up to this point, at this point, uh, Disney really was slacking it off. They were really, it had fallen apart in terms of animation. It had been a while since Disney actually made a good animated film. All the good um, animated films that came out of Disney Studios tended to be Pixar related. And so... Bringing in John Lasseter, who had shown, you know, up to this point. So by the time this contract was made, Toy Story had been made, Bugs Live, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., 
Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, and, and, and The Incredibles. So all those movies had been um, made, had been filmed, released, and everything like that um, by Pixar. And they had, and all all six of those movies were successful in the box office, successful with critics, and even successful at awards season. And so, this deal um, would allow Pix Disney to keep the money for Pixar, and it's actually completely a big win deal for Disney because they're holding on to you know the um, biggest you know the best animated studio there is. And secondly, they're getting this immensely talented individual to revive the struggling Disney animation studio. And so, 2006, the deal gets made. Cars was, was the movie Cars was already in production, and so the, Cars was the last movie that Pixar was supposed to make before the new contract took over. And the first movie that came out with that new contract was the movie Ratatouille. And, and that is going to be and that movie is where we're going to start today. There's going to be two movies I'm going to review today. Because, you know, next, next Friday um, will be the release of the movie Finding Dory. And I don't know if I'll do Finding Nemo or not. I might just treat this as my Pixar Week movies. But... Ratatouille came out to start it, and so that's the first movie we're going to look at today. And then the other movie we're going to look at is the one that just came out on DVD, and this is one of... So, Ratatouille is definitely a Pixar movie. But when Lasseter got control of the animated studio, that's when he started to see the release of a lot of quality animated films. And so... And, and the most recent example of that came out in Feb came out in March and just came out on DVD um, a week or two ago and that movie is Zootopia and so those are the two movies we're gonna look at today um, I did a brief review of Zootopia a few months ago when it was in theaters today is gonna be the full um, review of it so uh, when I review a movie while it's still in theaters I try my very best with old spoilers. Uh, when it's in on DVD, um, nothing's off limit because when it's on DVD, my goal is to analyze, look for ideas and thoughts um, that are in the film, and so there's going to be spoilers and those spo because sometimes some of the plot twists are necessary to discuss the ideas. And so I bring this little history up that it's interesting that you know we began it begins with begins with Ratatouille. And now we have Zootopia. And why that's interesting is because Ratatouille and Zootopia have a very similar underlying theme. There's an interesting connection. You know, ten years apart almost, these two movies are. Um, well, I should say nine years apart. So Zootopia, Ratatouille was the first movie made under the Disney, it, during the contract, of, after the Disney purchase. You know, fully produced. I mean, yes, Cars came out a little bit later, but Cars, like I said, was already well into production by the time the, the deal was made. 
Ratatouille is the first one that was truly made, fully made after um, the contract, the the purchase, the buyout. And Zootopia is the first one to come out, you know, at, is the one that came, first one to be released during the 10th anniversary of that buyout. And so, um, in 10th anniversary of uh, Pixar, John Lasseter, having control of that studio. So it's kind of intriguing that they come out and the two movies have a very similar vibe to them. A very similar underlying story. The movies are very different in style, but the message is similar. So, but before we do that, I'm going to... Um, so, this show, this episode, we're going to look at the movie Ratatouille. And then after Ratatouille, I'm going to... I have a list. I'm going to do a ranking of what I think are the best, the top ten movies to come out of Disney Animation and Pixar. So I combine both of them, and I'm going to rank what are the ten movies in the post-buyout uh, days. What are the top ten movies since the buyout from Pixar and Disney Animation? And it's because I'm doing that because it kind of does a good job of highlighting the excellent, excellent work that has been done by John Lasseter and company. So, Ratatouille is a movie. Ratatouille came out, as I have mentioned, it came out in 2007. Um, it, like I said, it was the first movie that was released um, after the buyout of Disney, you know, after Disney had bought out Pixar. And... Um, it was directed and written by uh, Brad Bird, who is one of the really an outstanding um, film writer, film director. Uh, he's made a number of great movies, um, both animated and live action. Uh, one of the best Mission Impossible movies was a movie that he did. Uh, some of the voice actors in here, we have... Uh, Patton Oswalt, uh, Lou Romano, uh, Janine Garofalo, uh, Ian Holm, Peter O'Toole, Brian Dennehy, uh, a few, Will Arnett, uh, John Ratzenberger, who's in pretty much every Pixar movie. Uh, so those are just some of the voices in it. So what the whole story is, is there is this rat. It's about this rat and his family, but specifically this one rat who um, is inspired by the, the cook, uh, Gusto. Because Gusto was, or Auguste, Auguste Gusto, who taught and believed, wrote, produced this book that's called Everybody Can, Anybody Could Cook, right? Anybody Could Cook, and that's the name of that was the name of the book. And so this book inspired this rat to um, seek to become a great cook, to be a great chef. And he has this really high taste in food, which is really unusual for um, a rat, of course. And so certain circumstances leads this rat to find his way to Gusto's restaurant. And there he's, you know, he's he meets... Um, Remy, who turns out to be um, the son of Gusto, and with Remy he begin not he's Remy sorry Alfredo <laughs> Linguini I messed up 
Linguini is the one that turns out to be Gusto's um, son. Uh, Remy is the rat. Sorry. So Remy, Remy, or Remy, my bad. Remy meets Linguini, uh, and you know through his interactions, they end up. He makes Linguini this great, successful restaurant owner. Uh, meanwhile, Remy, uh, you know, is doing the cooking and producing these awesome dishes, and it beco- is becoming a massive, a great success. And so, uh, the story, the film is a, you know, animation is just incredible because it's Pixar. Um, you know, even though that's a ten-year-old movie, it still looks very good from an animated standpoint. Uh, the water scenes, the the fur of the the rats. I mean, such good detail in it. Um, like I said, it all looked really solid. Looked good. Um, hasn't dated too horribly bad. But the thing that really stands out for the movie Ratatouille and what makes it a strong film is its screenplay. Uh, this is all on Brad Bird. Because admittedly when it comes to the Pixar Disney movies, they tend to have a lot of humor. And actually this is one of the things that made Ratatouille stand out against the previous Pixar films. The previous Pixar films were very heavy in terms of humor. And so, you know, the movies that came before, like I said, the, you know, Cars, Incredibles, fun movies, entertaining, but they're very, um, lots of comedic elements. Same thing with Finding Nemo, Monsters, Inc., the two Toy Stories of Bugs Life. Uh, all of them had comedic, really strong comedic elements. Most of those movies did not have a strong emotional element. Uh, Toy Story 2 definitely did. Uh, but the rest of them did not have the emotional charge that began to come out in 2007. 2007 really began this string of movies produced by Pixar that were just very good emotionally. And they really, you know, kind of tugged at your heartstrings. And so... Um, Ratatouille is a movie that is extremely um, artistic. It's very poetic. It, the poetry of the film is very, very strong. Uh, it's almost... It's actually very... I mean, extremely poetic, especially for an animated film. Um, it's more poetic than a lot of adult movies. Um, and it's appropriate because the movie takes place in... In Paris, Paris is a city that just invites art, poetry. And so they definitely play that motif. You know, they, play, they, show, they, draw, they capture the beauty of Paris in computer animation, and it makes you want to go see Paris. Um, you know, it captures the beauty of food, and it gives, you know, just, you know, the, the little taste, the textures... You know, everything that goes with it, it just makes you want to have this delicious food to taste a truly good food. And <clears throat> they're doing it in such an artistic and creative manner. And this is, you know, the strong traits of this film. But and it comes through all the way from the beginning down to the end of it. 
And especially, and the thing is, is underlying in this is the basic idea. And it's, it's just, it's being plastered for you, for you to see it. Now, I should kind of make, and so, you know, some of the imagery, the ideas are going in this movie. First off is, like I said, this is the first movie that's done by Pixar since the buyout, all right? And I could not help but kind of feel like Gusteau was Walt Disney to some degree. And Walt Disney created the most amazing animated empire in the world. The animation, the success that came out of Disney in his age was unparalleled. And it still is. But there, went, there eventually got to be a time that Disney began to get worse and worse. And they began to be making more and more of these, you know, straight-to-DVD videos, the ridiculous number of uh, these really bad versions of Aladdin, um, and some of these other movies that you'd see come out in the studios. And this was kind of one of those things that was really pop. Well, one of the documented stories when Laster took over was that he got rid of those kinds of movies um, for Disney. He, or, he, or at least it seems like... He, I don't think he totally got rid of them because they're still, they still come out from time to time. But for the most part, they're not as... But they're not as frequent as they used to be. And the thing is, is that I can't help but see that in the movie um, Ratatouille when you have the whole th revelation that the, the, the owner at the beginning of the movie at Gusto's is, you know kind of um, prostituting out um, the restaurant and the Gusto name to make all kinds of these cheap foods just to make an easy buck. And you couldn't, I can't help but see the similarities. And, you know, there's this desire to bring Walt Disney back to its greatness, to what it once was. And so the same thing you see going on in... Uh, in Ratatouille for, with this restaurant. And I can't help but wonder if Remy, Remy isn't from the minds of the Pixar guys, is this what they think they're doing with Disney, is trying to bring it back to greatness. And as I, when I get to the, you know, the ranking of the 10 greatest movies, especially the ones coming out of the Disney animation in... The ones that have come out really since, uh, since Pixar Lasseter took full control, has been quite impressive. They've made some very good films, and uh, it's going to show as I get to that list. And that is kind of what they've done. They've done much of what um, what Linguini with Remy's help does with the Gusto restaurant. But there's another major theme in this movie. This is a more obvious one. And that is the whole message of anyone can cook. Um, there's also the I mean there's also the pre message of the appreciation of art. Uh, don't you know why do you just take garbage? And this I think this is true when it comes to to film, when it comes to television. We satisfy, we um, settle for garbage so often. 
when there's something so beautiful right around the corner. We settle so easily when we can have something so amazing. You know? And that is... And there, there's a lot of beautiful things. And, you know, this movie right here is an example of a beautiful movie. And for whatever reason, and um, if I remember correctly, Ratatouille, you know, when compared to some of the other um, Pixar movies, um, if I remember correctly, it didn't do extremely well. Um well, it made $206 million in the box office. In 2006, that's not terribly a lot, especially when you consider how well um, some of the other Pixar movies had done. Um, it, you know, it did less than Incredibles. It did less than Finding Nemo. Uh, and you know, it didn't do extremely well. And the thing is, like I said, it's a very artistic movie, and it should... You know, to kind of get the vibe, it should be a little bit more appreciated than it is. And the next couple movies that Pixar ended up producing, you know, Wally, uh, you know, Up, uh, both of those movies had some very artistic elements. They didn't do it as they didn't um, do it quite as hard as um, Ratatouille did because Ratatouille really brought it full on, but. You know, it really was, um, it was a, you know, it was a pretty, um, it's a very, it's an artistic film that, uh, kind of falls into that whole thing is, you know, what are we, what people sometimes consume, um, in terms of art and, and that's come to qualifies for film, television, literature, uh, art, music. We settle. There's a lot of great music out there, but a lot of times we settle for simplicity, and we can't see beauty as very as easily as you wish we could. And, and so that's one thing, you know, and that's a very natural message or theme to kind of lightly layer in a movie that takes place in France. And then you have the so like okay now to the more obvious theme as I was mentioning is a more obvious theme is seen in uh, is seen in the title of the book anybody could cook all right anybody can cook and this is a simple theme it's a simple message and it's and if you can't if you can't get through the movie what it means it, it lays it out with um, with the film critic, uh, voiced by Peter O'Toole, which is um, Anton Ego, when he his the critic, the review that he gives at the end, if you did not get what the theme of this movie was, it, he lays it out right there, and and I don't fault him for laying it out because the way they do it is just so beautiful. It is such. A well-written monologue. And they picked a great actor, legendary actor, to deliver those lines. And to me, it was the that little segment is what made the movie tr a truly wonderful movie. And 
And so, here, I'm going to actually play that clip. Um, hold on a second. In many ways, the work of a critic is easy. We risk very little, yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and themselves to our judgment. We thrive on negative criticism, which is fun to write and to read. But the bitter truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating it so. But there are times when a critic truly risks something, and that is in the discovery and defense of the new. The world is often unkind to new talent, new creations. The new needs friends. Last night I experienced something new. An extraordinary meal from a singularly unexpected source. To say that both the meal and its maker have challenged my preconceptions about fine cooking is a gross understatement. They have rocked me to my core. In the past, I have made no secret of my disdain for Chef Gusto's famous motto, Anyone can cook. But I realize only now do I truly understand what he meant. Not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. It is difficult to imagine more humble origins than those of the genius now cooking at Gusto's, who is, in this critic's opinion, nothing less than the finest chef in France. I will be returning to Gusto's soon, hungry for more. It was a great. Okay, so there's that very brief, that nice little speech at the end by Anton Ego, again voiced by Peter O'Toole. And first off, I want you to know that there's that mo the the quote at the beginning. This is he's you know he's saying talk about the average garbage, what we consider garbage. I don't believe the movie is saying there's isn't a such thing as a bad movie or bad art. Um, I think they know that's true. In fact, the film makes it kind of clear in the conversations between uh, Remy and his his family is that there is a such there's a difference between I mean, Remy's brother was literally eating garbage, and so there is a difference. And they and you know he he has the job of smelling out rat poison, and so like I said, there is. They're not gonna. They're not denying the existence of beauty. That there is a sense of beauty in the world. There are things that are definitely undesirable. In the case of the poisoned, literally deadly. However, it is also recognized that sometimes the thing that you think is garbage and ugly may, in fact, have a nuanced beauty that you don't quite see. And I think that's kind of where it's going, is to be open. It's kind of calling you to take a risk. When you go and consume a work of art, whether it be a, a food, a book, a poem, a song, that you'd open your mind and not consider who... Don't think about who's singing it or who's producing it, who's directing it, who's the actor. Just open your mind and just let the art 
um, influence you. And you may find surprising things. And, you know, it's obviously from the podcast I'm doing, you know, I love movies. And it's, in my experience, there have been some movies with certain actors that have absolutely surprised me. I'm like, wow, I can't believe that that actor could act like that. Um, Think of a movie like Punch Drunk Love with uh, Adam Sandler. You know, Adam Sandler's famous for his, you know, Happy Gilmore's, his Billy Madison's, uh, you know, very physical humor. And all of a sudden you see this movie where he's extremely serious. Uh, another one like that is Jim Carrey. Very physical um, humor from like Ace Ventura, Mask, Dumb and Dumber. I love those movies. They're hilarious. But then you get a movie like The Truman Show or Majestic and or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And you see a completely, totally different actor. Uh, Will Ferrell, when he did Stranger Than Fiction, I remember I worked at the movie theater in... Um, in Mequon, Wisconsin, at North Shore Cinemas, we got it. And a lot of people were complaining, like, this is a horrible movie. And the reason was, is people went into that movie looking for another Talladega Nights or another um, Anchorman or Dodgeball or something like that. And the thing is, is um, they needed... That was not what he had. He was bringing, he was bringing a completely different kind of movie to the table. And in my opinion... He did a great job. Stranger Than Fiction is a great, great movie. And it's definitely one that I have... um, I have plans to do a podcast for. And so this is... You know, this is the idea that these great movies, these great arts... Come from places you just don't expect. And I think that's kind of the message of this movie is... You don't know where art's going to come. It's, you, it's opening your mind. What you think is just going to be garbage because you just decided it was um, based upon a trailer, based upon uh, what you... S- based upon an actor, whatever, might actually be something of great beauty and great art. And so I think the movie is trying to encourage you uh, to look for the beauty. Uh, I'll actually, since this is a, I call this the Kiro Film Society, I suppose I should, I should actually mention this right now. Um, not everything has a strict theological meaning, but uh, this is, like I said, this is really just looking at worldviews from a Christian point of view. And as Christians, we deal with many issues. We don't concern ourselves only the things that are um, directly connected to a Bible verse or a story in Scripture. Sometimes it's just dealing with the basic ethical questions from a Christian worldview. And, you know, the primary Christian, the basis of that ethical view is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Um, and then you also add it from the ethical point. That's the moral basis but also at work, of course, is that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, so the God, law and gospel. But we're talking specifically morality. We're talking about ethics. We're talking about God's law. And, you know, love your neighbors yourself is definitely going to come into play uh, when we talk about Zootopia in a little bit. 
But Ratatouille, I'm going to actually pull out a Bible verse here. I think that it might be kind of relevant for um, the discussion, this um, topic. So uh, bear with me for a little bit here. I'm going to uh, try to bring this up on my uh, computer. I'm going to bring up this verse. Okay, here it is. It's in it's Philippians chapter 4, verse beginning of verse 8. It says, what, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the god of peace will be with you so you see a beautiful work of art you see a beautiful painting you hear a beautiful song you hear a beautiful voice beautiful lyrics a beautiful poem read a beautiful book um watch a great movie whatever you give praise you know praise such skill because the thing is is that the bit the gifts that they are demonstrating are given from god above God gave them the gifts to create, and we should give thanks for these wonderful creations. And now this isn't from a biblical standpoint, but it's just a logical. Uh, we should be encouraged to create great things. So, um, Ratatouille. So on a scale, on a um, five tar five star scale. I would probably give it, uh, I'd say give four out of five. Uh, like I said, a very good movie, um, good animation, great uh, screenplay, great dialogue. Um, a lot of the things you're looking for in a good movie. So before I go on into Zootopia, as I mentioned, I was going to do a ranking of the top ten movies Produced by Disney Animation or uh, Pixar Studios since the Pixar buyout, alright? So basically we're looking at the John Lasseter produced films. So uh, we're going to begin with this top ten list and here comes number one. Wreck-It Ralph. I'm gonna wreck it! 30 years I've been doing this. I can fix it! It's hard to love your job when no one else seems to like you for doing it. You're just the bad guy who wrecks the building. I'm okay. I'm okay. If I'm really honest with myself, it sure must be nice being the good guy. Ralph, you are a bad guy, but this does not mean you're a bad guy. I don't want to be the bad guy anymore. Abandon his game. Welcome to Game Central Station. Bad guy coming. Everything changes now. Where's Ralph? Oh, sorry, Cooper. It's me, Ralph. You're right. Ralph's gone to hero's duty? Fear is a four-letter word, ladies. You want to go pee-pee in your big boy slacks? Keep it to yourself. You're not from here, are you? Sugar Rush? You're game jumping? Hey! Aha! You wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? 
You hit a guy with glasses. That's, that's well played. Without Ralph, we're doomed. You better put a pull our plug. What's that? A medal. I earned it in Hero's Duty. Uh, it's not that kind of duty. I bet you really gotta watch where you step in a game called Hero's Duty. <laughs> Some nights I stay up cashing in my bed. We can't change who we are. You can't mess with the program, Ralph. Some nights I wait. Everyone here says I'm just a mistake. You ready for this? What do I stand for? I'm not leaving you here alone. Close out with the bad guy affirmation. I am bad. <laughs> and that's good. I never be good. No, 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 no. And that's, that's not bad. Hold that thought. There's, There's no one I'd rather be than me. Why do I fix everything I touch? It's make your mama's proud time. I love my mama. Oh, good. The cops. Hold still. Take that. What are you doing? So that was number 10, uh, the top, number 10 of my top 10 movies, that was Wreck-It Ralph. Um, I'm not going to go too much details into these movies, you can just listen to them, I'll give, just let you know what movie it was, and you can just kind of listen to the trailer as I play it. Um, I should note though that some of the themes that you could kind of even hear in that trailer are very similar to some of the themes I'm playing off of in Ratatouille. And what I will be playing off of in Zootopia in a little bit. Um, so, but it's a movie I'll probably review much later. So, uh, here comes the number nine movie on my list, and that is. It'll be Frozen, if you're wondering. Summer in the city of Arendelle. It couldn't be warmer, it couldn't be sunnier, but that's about to change. Forever. Arendelle. It's completely frozen. Cold, 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 cold. A real howler in July. Yeah? The land is covered in eternal snow. Really? If we don't do something soon, we'll all freeze to death. You want to talk about a problem? I sell ice for a living. Ooh, that's a rough business to be in right now. I mean, that is really... Mm, that's unfortunate. My lady. <laughs> this is awkward. Not you're awkward, but just because we're... I'm awkward. You're gorgeous. Wait, what? Hi, everyone. I'm Olaf. <laughs> Hi. You're creepy. Well, I don't want it. Whoa. No. Right, we got off to a bad start. I know how to stop this winter. Yeah. Hang on. I like fast. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get your feet down. This is fresh lacquer. Seriously, were you racing a barn? <laughs> Thick skull. I don't have a skull. Oh, woo! Headbrush! So cute. It's like a little baby unicorn. Now we just have to survive this blizzard! That's no blizzard! That's my sister! That would have been nice to know. Heads up! No. It is not nice to throw snow, people! Whoa, 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 feisty pants. Just let the snowman be. I'm calm. Great. Some people are worth melting for. You're just maybe not right this circuit. Ah! 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 
Thanks. Oh, hey, do me a favor, grab my butt. Hey. Oh, that feels better. So number nine, number nine was Frozen. Here comes number eight, Big Hero Six. This is the first test of my robotics project. Stop, 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 stop. The seventh test. This is Tadashi, my older brother. 33rd test. Wait, 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 stop. This is the 84th test. Hello, I am Baymax. You're worth! Amazing. You wanted to help a lot of people. People keep saying Tadashi's not really gone. As long as we remember him. Hello, I am Baymax. Tadashi programmed me to heal the sick and injured. You will be alright. There, there. Like to help. Scan complete. You're experiencing mood swings. Diagnosis? Puberty. Whoa, what? It's like spooning a warm marshmallow. Uh, Reports are flooding in about a major go. catastrophe. We're under attack from a super villain, people. Come on, go, 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 go! I am not fast. Yeah, no king! So a man in a kabuki mask attacked you in balloon man. I know about robotics. We can be way more. Anybody else's suit riding up on him? Come on. Kick it down. Punch it. Why is Baymax wearing carbon fiber underpants? This may undermine my non-threatening, huggable design. He's glorious. On top of the world! I wasn't terrified of heights. I probably love this. But I'm terrified of heights, so I don't love it. Well, what's wrong with you? Low battery. Harry, baby. That was amazing. You gave me a heart attack. Clear. It's just an expression. What do you say, buddy? We. So that was Big Hero 6. Uh, next up is the movie Up.
that dog just say hi there? Oh, yes. Right. I just met you, and I love you. Can we keep him, please, please, please? No. But it's a talking dog. Next movie on my list is Wally. Seven hundred years into the future, mankind will leave our planet, leaving Earth's cleanup in the hands of one incredible machine. His name is Wally. That's all these years. He's developed one little glitch. A personality. He's extremely curious. And just a little bit lonely. But all that is about to change. So now I'm at number five, and the number five movie is the movie that I'm going to be reviewing a little bit later, Zootopia. Zootopia, a gleaming city where animals of all breeds, predator and prey alike, live together in peace and harmony. Hi, I'm Judy, your new neighbor. Yeah, well, we're loud. Don't expect you to apologize for it. CPD's first rabbit officer, Judy Hopps. Ready to make the world a better place? 
bad news in this city gripped by fear. What can you tell us about the animals that went savage? Are we safe? This is priority one. Pumps. Parking duty. <laughs> Sir, I'm not just some token bunny. You strike out, you resign. Deal. some questions about a case. Then they should have gotten a real cop to solve it. You are under arrest. For what? Hurting a few wings? You are a key witness. No, he is. Hey, I need you to run a plate. All right, I know a guy. You need something done, he's on it. They're all slots? We are in a really big hurry. I am on it. Break. I have 36 hours left. We can only solve it together. It's not about how badly you want something. It's about what you are capable of. I am a real cop. Never let them see that they get to you. You bunnies. So emotional. No, no, no. Do not let go. I'm gonna let go. What? We may be evolved, but deep down, we are still animals. Quit it. You're gonna start a howl. For sure, we're a naturalist club. All the way down. Oh. Life's a little bit messy. We all make mistakes. No matter what type of animal you are, change starts with you. We gotta go. Who's car is it? The most feared crime boss, Mr. Big. Number four, Tangled. They just can't get my nose right. Ha, ha, ha. 
number three is a movie that I just reviewed, Ratatouille. restaurants and the greatest chefs in the world all my life i've wanted to be one of them you may think that's a strange dream for a rat but i've always believed that with hard work and a little luck it's only a matter of time before i'm discovered What would happen if anyone knew we had the rats in our kitchen? Go! Take it away from here, garbage boy! Don't look at me like that! You're the one who was getting fancy with the spices! I need this job. I've lost so many. I don't know how to cook, and now I'm actually talking to a rat as if you... Did you not? You understand me? I can't cook, but you can, right? Look, don't be so modest. You're a rat for Pete's sake. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? We just need to work out a system so that I do what you want. Stop that! Stop what? Stop that! Switching me out! Ooh. I want to make things, Dad. Stay away from the humans. It's dangerous. Now shut up and eat your garbage. I have a secret. I have a rat. You have a rat? She's toying with my mind, taunting me with that rat. Together, we can be the greatest chef in Paris. Number two, Inside Out. So, Riley, how was the first day of school? Fine, I guess. Did you guys pick up on that? Sure oh, did. Yeah. Something's wrong. Signal the husband. <laughs> What did she say? Oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What is it, woman? What? I'm joy. This is sadness. That's anger. What? This is disgust. And that's fear. We're Riley's emotions. These are Riley's memories. They're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. I wanted to maybe hold something to the memory. Is everything okay? <laughs> Take your back, Joy. Wait, Joy. No, Let wait. Go. The poor memories. <laughs> Can I say that curse word now? What do we do now? Nothing's working. Why isn't it working? We have a major problem. 
Oh, I wish Joy was here. We can fix this. We just have to get back to headquarters. That's long-term memory. You could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in there. What was that? Was it a bear? There are no bears in San Francisco. I saw a really hairy guy. You look like a bear. This place is huge. Imagination land? Noah. Dream Productions? Rainbow Unicorn. She's right there. I loved you in Fairy Dream Adventure Part 7. Okay, bye. I love you. We can't focus on what's going wrong. There's always a way to turn things around. Here comes the number one movie in the post-Disney uh, buyout of Pixar for the Pixar slash Disney animated films. Number one, Toy Story 3. Andy's going to college. Can you believe it? What are you going to do with these old toys? Okay, calm down, guys. Let's just keep this in perspective. Where is she taking us? I should have seen this coming. We'll be fine, Jesse. Oh, I hate all this uncertainty. <laughs> New toys! Buzz Lightyear, at your service. Welcome to Sunnyside, folks. You'll find being donated was the best thing that ever happened to you. Oh, may I? Oh! <laughs> Velocistar 237? Oh, that's just a dinosaur toy down the street. That's nothing. Let me just take care of that. Just a dinosaur. And we got guests. So, who's ready for Ken's Dream Tour? Let's show our new friends where they'll be staying. Uh, folks, if you want to step right this way. Hi, I'm Ken. Barbie. Love your leg warmers. Nice ascot. We can have a whole new life here, Woody. We're Andy's toys. Hey, what do you guys think of the new recruits, Andy Keepers? Out, please. That space guy, he could be useful. Oh, I want to get played with. Uh, Rex. They just love new toys now, don't they? Oh, it was cold and dark. Nothing but sand and a couple of Lincoln logs. Uh, I don't think those were Lincoln logs. You got a play date with destiny. He's looking for us. And he's looking for us. Listen up. We're busting out of here. Woody's no ordinary toy. He's brave. We gotta get you home before Andy leaves tomorrow. But the thing that makes Woody special is he'll never give up on you. Never. Hello? You and your friends ain't ever getting out of here. Ah! And what's important now is we stay together. Oh, never make it! Believe 
All right, so those are the um, top ten movies of Disney slash Pixar that I have come out since 2006 uh, during the buyout of um, Pixar Studios from Disney. So, and this is going to lead me into what was my number five movie, uh, the movie Zootopia. Uh, Zootopia, if you went back a few months, one of my early podcasts, uh, I reviewed it, gave a very strong review, and and it's still, I still have that same uh, viewpoint on it. Uh, has uh, really good uh, special, really good animation, very very quality animation. Uh, the you know the facial reactions of the different uh, characters in their animal forms, seeing the little just the little tweaks and the gestures they make them animal, but you also could feel certain human sense to them. Um, the beauty of the city of Zootopia, especially the opening seat, the um, try everything sequence um, sung by Shakira. Uh, there's a very good story going on in there. Some he comedic, some humorous moments, some uh, touching moments, some really good characters all the way throughout the movie. It's it's just a very well done movie and. Uh, what I'm going to focus on with this is, I'm not going to focus so much on a review, but I want to focus again on the worldview of it. And this movie came out, like I said, the movie, when it came out, the thing that immediately, immediately came to mind as I was watching this is uh, George Orwell's book, um, Animal Farm. Animal Farm, if you're not familiar with the book, is a story where these animals... Uh, overtake the farm, overthrow the farmer, and slowly become more and more intelligent to the point that the leaders actually begin walking upright and begin looking human. Zootopia is a world where animals have become, began walking upright and they have become like people are. And in the, move, in the book Animal Farm, the story is used to uh, tell about the communist revolution, the rise of Stalin, and things of that nature. In Zootopia, the movie is dealing with a modern issue of prejudice, of racism. And one of the things that is kind of interesting is you watch this movie, and it's, it's just screaming the racial issues and one of the things that's interesting about it is they you know express this uh this theme now i should say because i did mention that this connects to, to zootopia there's definitely this idea of you could do anything um anyone could be a cook not that everyone is a cook but anyone could a cook can come from anywhere anywhere one. That idea is definitely kind of coming at play here. But, like I said, the bigger theme is a the theme of racism. You're having, you know, uh, rabbits coming, the bunnies, the main character uh, is, you know, she's talking about her parents are talking about how they view foxes. And she herself, in much for much of the movie, conveys her feeling towards foxes. You have... 
the the relationship between predators and um, and the prey, and you have the relationship between different kind the big the large mammals and the small mammals. Um, there's all these different uh, kind of prejudices that go on in here in the movie. And the thing that I find interesting is that if you watch through it, you know, with this, I was going through, you know, I was going through like some internet articles, just kind of seeing what people had to talk about it. And I came across some, some tweets that people had about the move, about the movie. And they said, ah, th those Trump people, they're going to learn, they got to learn about racism. And, you know, I read that and I found it ironic that because that person that wrote that tweet showed that they didn't understand the movie. Because, I mean, yeah, and, and while I'm not a Trump fan by any stretch of the imagination, the problem isn't what they said about Trump. It's the, the problem I had with it was that they were under the delusion that they're not racist, that they don't have their own prejudices. Uh, I remember hearing, I don't know if this is true still, or if it, I don't know how much truth there is to it now or then, but there was a time at, I think it was like, like the National Prejudice Museum or Racism Museum or whatever it is, and there's, when you enter in, there's two different doors. And one door says, um, I am prejudiced. The other one says, I am not prejudiced. And the... A, a wise person will go through the one that says, I am prejudiced. And it's later revealed that if you ask the people that work there, what about the one that says, I am not prejudiced? The door is just, goes nowhere. It's just a brick wall. And they do that to let you, to, as a, a reminder that all of us are prejudiced. And you watch through Zootopia Everyone, literally every major character that has any level of screen time in the movie has prejudice. And, you know, from, you know, the main character who, um, the main character, Judy Hopps, voiced by Jennifer Goodwin, um, she has her prejudice about foxes. Jason Bateman, who plays a fox, plays Nicholas Wilde, uh, Nick Wilde, a fo red fox. He he has a prejudice towards um, Judy Hobbs because of her being a bunny. Um, Idris Elba's Chief Bogo shows his prejudice. You hear the prejudice from um, the deputy mayor. You hear the prejudice from the mayor. You hear the prejudice from... Uh, you know, from elephants, from everybody in the movie. Every character that you come across that has any decent number of screen time um, displays some kind of prejudice. And the movie is letting you know that every single one of us has it. And the challenge is, is to rise above the prejudice. And see, that's the thing is with the, you know, Jason Bateman's character, who plays Nick Wilde, there's a scene where he's talking about, you know, you know, they treat you, they act long enough that you are going to be sly and sneaky and all that. 
that you might as well just be what they think you are. And what you learn is that he's not right. Because both him and Judy Hopps began the movie with an ideology, a worldview. And both of them, their worldview went wrong. It proved to be somewhat false. Judy Hopps was the idea that anybody could be anything. So she tells this elf, this little, um, little guy who's a, I can't remember the a Fennec Fox. Uh, his name is Finnick. So he's a Fennec Fox. He's a little thing, and you know she says to him, "If you want to be an elephant, then you can be an elephant." Which is ridiculous. And there's actually a point where Jason Bateman actually... His character, Nick Wilde's character, the the fox, actually says to her, Hey, kind of lets her know that your idea is unfounded. It's not logical. And it doesn't work the way you think. And you see throughout the movie that everybody has does have limitations. You know, just because I want to be Michael Jordan doesn't mean I'm going to be Michael Jordan. You know? Um, And the same thing, just because you want something doesn't mean you're going to be it. There's... But... That doesn't mean you're not going to be it. Does that make sense? I know that sounds kind of a weird um, dichotomy or whatever, or contradiction that I'm expressing here. But the thing is, is that, you know, <coughs> the next Michael Jordan could come from literally anywhere. He doesn't have to be black. He doesn't. He could be white. He could be Asian. He could be Hispanic. He could be Native American. He could come from anywhere. So also, but just because you want to be Michael Jordan doesn't mean you're going to be. That's... What I'm trying to say. And you do get that displayed in the movie. That, you know, Judy Hopps, she has this desire to be a cop and she becomes a cop. And then on the... And so, but... May not be that everyone will be great. There's a certain level of determination that comes with it. There's a lot of factors that goes into who a person becomes. And... But the, the main major thing here is not letting... Just your race um, bring you down. Uh, <clears throat> and then you have, like I said, Nick Wilde. Nick Wilde has this idea that uh, might as well be what people tell you to be. And the thing is, is that is confronting the racism in ourselves, against ourselves. We think, or the prejudice that we have in ourselves, we think because... We are such and such race. We have to be and look and act and dress or whatever that way, a certain way. When in reality, we might there might be something completely different. Because it turns out, you know, in the end of the movie, it turns out that Nick would make a really good cop. And the very opposite of what he thought he was destined to be. And see, this is... You know, there, there isn't a set way that a race has to be. And this movie very much does a good job 
of, you know, attacking prejudice, attacking fear-mongering. And that's something that you eventually, when you realize who's the villain of the, the entire film, and she reveals their plot, it's actually, this is going back to a political issue. Um, not just a racial, but this you realize that she's playing on what is the fascist card. The way f- fascism works is it feeds into people's fears to unite them. They use fear to unite. And so in the case of... Um, so like I said, there's a spoiler here. The main villain turns out to be uh, the, the deputy mayor, the assistant mayor. And so she... Um, Devises this, devises this whole plot to turn the 90%, which happens to be against the 10%, by the way, 9%, which, by the way, that kind of sounds a little interesting. This is also what we even have in our, um, in our own country, where we have the 99% against the 1%. It shouldn't be an us versus them, and this movie actually is, I don't know if they intentionally use that number or not, because the movie is doing its job to show that it's not us versus them. We are all in this together. We need to work together. We need not be afraid of one another because one's rich, one's poor, one's middle class. We should not belittle one because of their wealth. We could not should not treat someone differently because of their their race, their height, their sex, you know, things of that nature. And so that is you know, very much being played into this movie. And so at the end of the movie, you find out that the deputy mayor is the, is the villain, and she schemed this whole thing, turning the, trying to turn the 90% against the 10%. And because she knew that if she could unite 90% against the 10%, she makes the society mighty, will make Zootopia great again. Now this, I am intentionally go. I'm going after Trump because this is what he does. Donald Trump uses fear to align people. He's using people afraid of losing their jobs, afraid about the wars on drugs, and afraid of the other problems that come with um, illegal immigration. He uses people's fears of Islam. He feeds on these fears to unite them with a purpose so that he can use the fear of the majority to make America great again. And by the way, I, I would argue that Bernie Sanders um, plays into other another fear. He plays in the, into the fear of the upper class. He plays into the fear of the of the of the wealthy, and he plays into much of this. Actually, some of the things that um, the communists Lenin was working on, um, Karl Marx spoke against. There is some very interesting parallels in this movie between with politics, with our social interactions in a country that is getting more and more divided every day. Um, racism just doesn't go away. It just, it morphs itself. It changes itself. It looks different with every passing day. And it gets, it makes it difficult 
uh, when things are not racism are declared racism. Um, when something is not sexist, when it and it's declared sexism, uh, I mean, I want to give a good example with movies that are coming out. Uh, the movie Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters movie is coming out this summer, and pretty much anybody that says that um, they're not liking the way the movie looks is called a bigot. It's called sexist. There are many people that are accusing the Bernie Sanders followers of being sexist towards Hillary. The reason why they're not hard on Hillary and, you know, pushing against her, they think it's because she's a woman. Rather than they were just loyal to Bernie, because let's be honest, Bernie supporters were a lot more loyal than Hillary supporters. They believed in him more than the Hillary supporters seemed to um, believe in Hillary. That's what I've gauged. And so it makes sense that they're more passionate about not letting him giving up. But that, you know, there's articles out there saying that this was a sexism. It's because she's a woman that people are, um, that Bernie isn't being asked to give in as quickly. And like I said, again, the difference is, is people are, Bernie had some very passionate followers. Just as we're starting, we're seeing with Trump. Trump has some very passionate followers. So, like I said, this this movie is a great movie and it's got some and it's you know it's made for kids. But there's definitely a message there's a simple message in the kids that of, you know, not being prejudiced, um, to curb your prejudice impulses. Because the reality is every single one of us is prejudiced. Every single one of us stereotypes to some degree or another. And the goal is for us to curb those prejudices. To keep a check on them. Alright? And the movie does a good job of teaching that to kids. And, but on a greater level, especially when you see the plot that gets revealed of all of what is going on, it actually becomes very hyper-political and it's much more of a discussion towards use the audience because the movie began with the question um at the very early part of the the movie there's a discussion of fear and uh judy hops you know the main character even quotes um john f kennedy jr with the only thing we had to fear i'm oh, sorry not john f kennedy fdr um, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, right? And um, they play on that image of that idea of how we fear one another. We fear certain groups of people. And it's very unhealthy. So, it's a good movie. Um, as before, I would say I'd give it a four out of five stars. Um, it's definitely one of the better one of the best movies have been put out by the Disney Animation Studios uh, since Pixar's took it, taken over uh, they're on a roll right now they really really are uh, I don't remember the last time the Disney Animation it's been a while since Disney Animation's made a bad movie and uh, you know we'll see what they come out with at the end I think they might have another thing one coming out at the end of the year and we'll see what they do with that. They're doing very, very good work. Um, it's a great movie. 
and it, it does get you thinking, uh, much as Ratatouille did. Uh, so, with that, um, this is uh, the Key Row Film Society. I hope this was a good podcast for you. I uh, got you thinking about some animated movies, some things that Disney does, and seeing the good work that John Lasseter does just in these two movies. Those ten movies that I ranked, um, very likely those movies are going to come up in my um, podcast in the future. And as you're seeing, as I've done these lists, there is a huge list, a huge selection of movies to go through. So the nice thing is I'll be able to do these podcasts for a long, long time. Because not only are there a lot of movies to... Um, view there's still movies coming out and I'm going to still try to from time to time go to the current movies and give you a quick update on how they are um, I might go see Warcraft and um, even though I, pr- I have a feeling it's going to be bad but I love the game World of Warcraft I should give it a chance right um, based on what I read in you know based on what I said in Ratatouille maybe I need to be a give it a chance and see who knows maybe it might be really good uh, might be a good movie so um, with that, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Again, I am Pastor Neil Wemus. This is the Key Row Film Society. If you're interested in checking out the churches that I serve in Northwest Iowa, check out our website at www.iowaoclutherens.org. Thank you and God bless. Welcome to Zootopia.